welcome to Greenfish Blue Oceans, a podcast where stories about seafood are good for you and the oceans. I'm Maureen Barry. On today's episode, I'll dish all things dogfish and discards. What is a dogfish and should you eat it? Where can you find it? What is discards? Why should you care? And what can you do? Stick around. I've got some splaining to do. Welcome to the D is for dogfish part of the program. Dogfish, like many seafood species, are called by different names. For instance, a dogfish can be called a spiny dogfish, piked dogfish, rock salmon, and spiky dog. Again, I don't know why the seafood industry does this. It's as if they mean to confuse. I know they don't, but in any regard, all said, what you really need to know about a dogfish is that it is a shark. That's right. Now here are a few shark facts worth mentioning and then a little backstory about how the dogfish industry came around on the Northeast in the United States before I get into the should you eat dogfish and where can you get it? There are over 400 shark species in the oceans. Sharks have been around for hundreds of millions of years. They're predatory creatures at the top of the food chain in the oceans, and their presence is necessary for the health of the oceans. Sharks are slow to grow and have few offspring, making them a target for overfishing. Sharks also get caught in fishing gear and are illegally fished for their fins, which I will discuss later in the year in S is for salmon and shark fins, so stay tuned for that. Shark fisheries are not well-managed, and without fisheries management, overfishing becomes a problem. Sadly, many shark species are in decline, and many are severely depleted, specifically scalloped, hammerheads, some blues, and thresher sharks. And I added a shark chart in the show notes to help you with the what, where, and why of shark declines. So, speaking of overfishing, it could be said that overfishing is the biggest threat to the future of seafood populations. Well, actually, I just said it, so <laughs> there you go. However, all that said, some species of shark, like the dogfish, are healthy and abundant. Shark are a good source of protein and provide jobs for fishermen on the west coast of the U.S. and the northeast coast in the U.S., specifically those fishermen who once relied on cod for their livelihood. So, what happened to the cod industry? Well, if you're a seafood nerd, you already know. But if you're not, then I can sum it up for you with this limerick I concocted while blending a smoothie during research and writing one morning. There once was a fish named Cod, whose life ended at the tip of a rod. He gave a good fight with all of his might, but his fate was a crate, then a plate. Poor sod. (laughs) Okay, I I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. Um, And it's funny how things like that come around. So look for more of that. I'm sure it'll come forth. Cod, a once abundant fish, helped grow the human population of the Western world, according to Mark Kurlansky, the famed commercial fisherman-turned-journalist and author of the book, Cod. But after decades of non-stop, ruthless cod fishing, 
the once great fishery collapsed in 1992. This devastated fishing communities and their families around the world, as you can imagine. So fast forward to 2017 where we are today and enter the dogfish. In the past, dogfish were considered a discard fish, which I'll talk about later in D is for discard in the program. In the late 1990s, dogfish catch levels were low, but by 2010 with good fisheries management, the dogfish species rebounded, making it a viable commercial fishing opportunity, especially for the New England cod fishermen. These sharks are caught on a long line, which is a sustainable fishing method, and the entire shark is processed and sent abroad. Apparently, the European market is thrilled to eat dogfish. Now, you can also find dogfish in markets on the west coast of the U.S., from California to Washington. So, at the market, don't forget to ask where your shark is caught, since this, along with the fishing method, sets the sustainable shark apart from the not-sustainable shark. You should also be aware that sharks develop a pissy ammonia smell and flavor. Some cooks suggest soaking the shark in milk or marinating it for a couple of hours. Personally, if my fish doesn't smell like the ocean, I pass and then look for another species. So that might be a good habit for you to get into also. Now, I personally haven't eaten dogfish, but I did eat shark a few times several years ago when I worked and lived in Florida for the wholesale distributor. More to know what I was selling, not necessarily by choice. Shark has a mild flavor and the flesh is meaty. The best methods for cooking shark are on the grill or seared in a skillet, in my opinion. So you'll treat it just like any other fish. Shark, like all seafood, cooks quickly. So have your salads ready, your sides, If you're doing tacos that night, make sure your taco station is ready to go. Have the wine open, even pour some, enjoy your life. Light the candles if that's how you rock, and then do your shark. So if you have a one-inch filet, think, you know, two to three minutes on each side, pan-seared or on the grill. And you're going to want that surface to be hot, hot, hot. Sharks are a good source of protein and low in fat, so that's really good news, right? But they also contain high mercury levels. So if you're pregnant or making dinner for the kiddos, do a Nancy Reagan and just say no. What I do love about the dogfish species is that it illustrates how the industry can change for the better with proper fisheries management. Because once a fishery collapses, how do we bring it back? Since there isn't an infinite supply of fish in the oceans, fisheries management is part of the solution to ensure the health of the oceans for the future. Now, there is a drawback of managing fish stocks. It does harm the fishermen. What are they to do with their lives while a fish stock is being rebuilt? Fishing communities and fishermen don't pillage the oceans for fun and profit. Well, pirates do, but that's a totally different story. So fishing is not only a livelihood for these people, it's a way of life. There are some hard questions and thoughts here at Greenfish Blue Oceans, and I don't have all the answers. But I do want to share something else that's kind of innovative and cool. One of the ways we can learn about where fish was caught and when it was caught is by tracking the boats. So how is that done? Well, you probably guessed, with satellites. What else? Check out globalfishingwatch.org. 
you'll need to register first, but it's a free service. Click anywhere on the map to see where your fish is being caught in real time. It's an incredible tool. And this opportunity is brought to you by Oceana, SkyTruth, and Google. It's just another example of how tech and innovation can help change the fishing industry to create more transparency. Stop, well, okay, a woman can dream. How about slow, illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing? A huge problem. You know, for decades, the seafood distribution and supply chain has been tainted with a lack of transparency. I know firsthand since I worked in that industry for several years, but I'm not going to get into that right now. My goal here is to bring you tools so you can make informed choices at the market. All right, it's time for a quick break. I'll finish up with D is for discards. Stick around. Well, hey, welcome back to D is for discards. Now, I've got to warn you, what I'm about to talk about for the next several minutes may make you want to throw up and cuss like a sailor. Maybe both at the same time, if that's possible. But hopefully you'll hang, listen, and then act. A few years ago at the Monterey Bay Aquarium Sustainable Foods Institute, I watched a short film that made me want to cry and throw up at the same time. That film was titled Fish Fight. There's another F that I want to use here, but I won't. Not yet. But there will come a day. In 2010, chef, broadcaster, and advocate Hugh Fernley Whittingstall launched Fish Fight Campaign in the UK to change EU fishing policies, specifically the laws as they related to discards. At the time, half the fish caught in the North Sea were being thrown back. Half. That, my friends, is discard. Discard is the catch of unmarketable fish, whether by size, species, or whether it is not permitted to land because of quota restrictions. I'll talk more about quota in Q is for quotas and queen scallops later this year. So make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, I was not naive to the challenges of the fishing industry at that time. The industry has been fraught with challenges on both the high seas, the coasts, and on land for a very long time. But when I saw Hugh's fish fight film, I was appalled. My heart throbbed in my throat. My breathing became shallow. Sweat beads formed along my hairline and under my arms. My stomach churned. It was such a visceral reaction. Afterwards, all I could do was listen and focus on the sketch of Hugh while he was being interviewed by author and journalist Juliet Illiparin. I knew that sketch of him would trigger those awful feelings over and over, so I would never buy the wrong seafood again. Not that I bought the wrong seafood at the time, but this took things to a new level. And just to confirm, I don't feel awful about Hugh. He's a fascinating, charming character. But the sketch... I also knew I would do something to help other people understand what's happening in the oceans and in the fisheries. So when you're ready, I included a link in the show notes to the one-minute YouTube video so you can watch the fish fight film too. And then let me know what you think. Did you have a reaction like I did? Or were you just like, meh? 
So, apparently, I had no idea what was happening on the high seas. But I'm happy to let you know, Fish Fight Campaign was a success. It took two years, but Fish Fight created an agreement to end discard bans and overfishing. The message spread across Europe to Germany, Poland, Spain, and France. It's great to see what can happen from large numbers of like-minded people. But really, friends, change happens at the individual level, too. Your choices at the market, for instance, can impact the future of our fisheries and oceans. So, how else can you help? Follow those seafood recommendation guides from Seafood Watch, Environmental Defense Fund, and Marine Conservation Society. And speaking of buying sustainable seafood, think about shopping in the freezer aisle at the market. That fish at the market that's in the fresh case isn't really fresh anyway. It's frozen and then thawed out for you so that it looks pretty. Unless you live in a coastal area and you know that the species just came right off the boat. You can also shop online with trusted resources. Who might that be? Just ask. I'm here to help. You can sign up for this podcast and learn about more seafood items that you may not be familiar with. And then ask your market to bring in specific sustainable seafood species. Make a difference with your cold hard cash. Don't like what's happening at the docks or in the ocean? Contact your politicians at the local, regional, and national levels regarding seafood policies if necessary. Don't just eat seafood, eat seafood that's good for you and the oceans. All right, so that's a wrap for D is for Dogfish and Discards. Want to share a good fish story going on in your hood? Got a shark recipe you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or shoot me an email at marinecberry at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out the show notes for more reading And don't forget to sign up and subscribe for Greenfish Blue Oceans on iTunes and Google Play so you don't miss an episode. Next up, E is for Escalar and Environment. Have a great two weeks, and thanks for listening to Greenfish Blue Oceans.